0: Hi there, I'm Janine, and you're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, and this is Get the Funk Out. After more than four decades living with multiple sclerosis, New York Times bestselling author Richard M. Cohen finds a flicker of hope in a groundbreaking medical procedure. Richard struggles with failing limbs and is legally blind. He survived two bouts of colon cancer and a life-threatening blood clot in his lungs. After enduring decades of harsh treatments and invasive therapies, Cohen decided to stop conventional treatment and trade in his life as a patient. In 2012, Cohen and his wife Meredith Vieira were invited to host and chair an adult stem cell conference at the Vatican. Scientists would be gathering in Rome to discuss stem cell therapy for autoimmune diseases, including MS. A believer in the power of denial and determination over faith in medical developments and breakthroughs, Cohen was caught off guard by what he learned. Medical technology had advanced further and more quickly than Cohn had known. Could there be a chance his health could improve? Could MS be cured? As Cohn took part in a pioneering stem cell protocol, he opened himself to the possibility of hope for the first time in his adult life. It's my pleasure to welcome to this week's show Richard M. Cohen. Hi, Richard. Hey. So I'm reading your book, and I'm thinking, what it must have been like at 25 when you found out. Is that the age you found out that you had Yeah, announced? I was
1: 25 when I was diagnosed.
0: Don't we think it like in our 20s we're just like infallible, like nothing's going to oh, happen? Oh, yeah. This?
1: I mean, look, I was, uh, I was on the escalator up at ABC News, and I owned the world.
0: Wow. <laughs> what were you doing at the time?
1: i was uh, I was a young producer, and I actually was covering the Watergate hearings in Washington.
0: Incredible now, what was your first indication something was wrong?
1: well i I had some uh, just one day some strange things happened, and they were little things i uh, I dropped a coffee pot mm-hmm. for no reason. I fell off a curb, which seemed strange. But when I got back to my apartment in Washington, I was scratching my left leg and I realized it was numb. And uh, I talked to my father, who's a uh, who was then a, a doctor and uh, has MS or had MS. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I we talked a little bit about Nixon. I d- described my day and. Uh, he said, well, you should go see a doc- doctor, and mm-hmm. uh, about 10 minutes later, the phone rang, and it was my father again, and he said, I think you have MS, mm-hmm. and my father was an old-fashioned doc, and that was jumping to conclusions, so I was really, you know, I was really startled, but he was right. He knew the, he knew the symptoms.
0: He knew the signs from his own life.
1: Absolutely.
0: Did you all of a sudden have this, like, oh my gosh, you know, my life is over, or pity party for one, or how did
1: you take it? Well, it was, it was very interesting to me. Uh, the ne- neurologist, who I didn't much like, uh, chose to call me up on the phone and tell me, you know, it wasn't worth a conversation in his office. Mm-hmm. And um, I hung up the phone. I was totally alone and I mean I knew it was not good but I really honestly thought to myself I just don't know enough about the disease to freak out you know I and and I made a decision uh, I made one of these instant decisions that I was going to beat it or I was just going to go on with my life and not let it get to me and uh that's how I chose to approach it i I of course went into steep denial. I didn't really believe that mm-hmm. and um, and you know what? I stayed in denial for a whole lot of years, and denial denial can be stupid if there's a train coming at you and you deny you you're, you're going to get hit right um, but if you deny all the if you deny the certainty of possible consequences, then it lets you live your life. It's true. You know, it, it lets you get up and go forward. And I got to tell you, I, I worked in network news for 25 years. I covered the world. I saw the world. I covered wars in the Middle East and Central America. I ran political coverage in presidential years. I had a great career, you know, and uh, I look back on it fondly with no regrets.
0: As we mentioned earlier, the name of my show is Get the Funk Out, and I'm always intrigued by how people deal with news like this and how you stay so strong and you have this determination. I mean, maybe some, sometimes people say, well, I'm delusional, you know, but you have to have a sense of determination and grit.
1: Oh, absolutely. And, uh, and I don't mean that in any self-serving way. I, in some ways, I think it's in your d- DNA. You yeah. know you you know you either have it or you don't uh but the people I feel sorry for and i and I see this all the time are people who see themselves as victims um, people who uh uh sort of dig their own graves and uh they they just so- sort of give up and uh and i uh i said. Get the funk out, you know. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to keep going. Yeah. I'm going to live my life, and uh, and that's what I did. And it worked until it didn't work. And um, you know, I, I just had a great run of it, and then and then I had to adapt. And that's when I started writing books.
0: I was going to ask you: Was it hard to put yourself out there and writing such a personal book about? Or your ordeal and what you went through?
1: Well, you know, my first book was called um, Blindsided, and uh, it, w- it was a memoir of, of sickness and, and making it in a competitive world and having a family and everything, and um, that's where I sort of crossed the river in terms of, uh, expo- you know, revealing myself. I was always a very private person. Mm-hmm. but you can't write a memoir and be a private, private person it just doesn't work that way and once i made the decision to do it it, it just stopped being hard yeah. and um and it was you know I, I, look i i've had this illness now for 40 something years and wow. um you know my my first book was eight years ago, or no, ten years ago. And, um, you know, this is all very familiar ground. And it, uh, it took a little, you know, my kids are all between 25 and 30. And, you know, it took a little getting used to for them. Um, but, you know, I, I wrote columns in the, the New York Times about this, and, I, and, and they were part of the books. I never wrote anything about them without their permission, and it just has become part of our family. Sure. And, uh And I think everybody is comfortable. We we made a decision early on when the kids were little, not to uh, not to hide it from them. And when when the time came to tell them, we did. And. And I I tell people who uh, who I talk to who who are sick with anything don't don't hide it from your kids. Really? you know the kids are the smartest ones in the house yes their their radar is always on mm-hmm. and they know they know when they're not being told something and if you want if you want ha- happy secure kids talk to them and tell them and. Don't keep secrets, and yes. our kids don't hesitate to ask questions. Uh, we don't hesitate to tell them what's going on, and I'll tell you, it uh, it, it makes it for it makes for a happier family.
0: Well, it's more open. I have kids too. When I read uh, your story about how Ben came to Meredith and said, "Is what's wrong with Dad the same thing that Grandpa has?" I thought. Wow! I mean that, you, as you said, you can't hide anything.
1: No, that's right. That's exactly right.
0: You know, so uh, in your book, you talk about your anger, and obviously, you know, Merith, Meredith experienced it, and your kids, and it was a rude awakening for you. But you probably needed to hear it when your kids confessed that you were kind of not kind of you were a bear. You were very difficult.
1: Yeah, well, you can say that again. And uh, Meredith kept saying to me, "Don't do this and don't do this to your kids." Mm-hmm. And um, and for a long time, I just didn't hear that message. Um, but then I decided that I was going to do something about it, and I talked to my editor at the Times and said, "I want to write write a column about anger and." She said, go ahead, and so I said to each of the kids that I want to write a column for the New York Times, which I wouldn't have done without their permission, and they were very suspicious of me, (laughs) but they said, okay. So um, Ben, our oldest, went first, and he looked at me like, what's going on here? But when I assured him that I wanted him to be honest, he he opened up on me. I mean, I'm wow. telling you, he uh. he didn't hold back. And and his brother Gabe saw the blood running on, under the door, and uh, <laughs> sure. and he came in, and uh, and even Lily, who was pretty Lily little at the time, mm-hmm. uh, just came in and wagged her finger at me. <laughs> <you know? laughs> and it, it's it's quite uh, it's quite sobering. Yes. But you know, in the new book. Um, i got everybody together because they're all over the place and uh two of them happened to be in town and we got the third on the phone and uh we sort of went over those days and uh it was a remark and it's uh it's in the chapter at the end of the book and it was a remarkable conversation because uh we're all sitting around here meredith joined us Mm -hmm. and uh and one was in seattle and um and they they were telling stories, and they were laughing, and they were it. they were um, getting together every ch- chance they had to gang up on you, uh, gang up on me, <laughs> and um, it was just a great fun conversation. I love it. Was it serious? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, did they understand the gravity of it? Of course they did, but they also revealed, it was very clear, that they, uh, they're way past it, that we're a tight-knit family. And, uh, uh, you know, uh, for anybody who reads it, uh, the lesson should be clear, you know, about uh, it's very easy when you're sick to become self-absorbed. It's yeah. very easy to think you're the only one with problems. And um, you've got to remember that uh, when you're in the hospital, your whole family's in the hospital bed. You know, you're not alone.
0: Right. I've interviewed hundreds of people who share different things they've been through. And it's always interesting, uh, the one thing that rings clear to me, is that you can't avoid pain. You can't avoid what you're going through. You have to work directly through that storm, and you learn from it.
1: Right. That's exactly right. And, um and 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 you got to decide what you're going to do with it mm-hmm. you know and and you how you're going to live with it and again i i i've always felt very strongly and i know Meredith has always felt very strongly that uh, that we're uh we're going to keep we're going to move on and keep going and uh, you know if you if you had ever been a fly in the wall in our house watching our kids grow up and even now um you wouldn't hear a lot of talk about illness i mean you might hear talk about i i, I need some help doing this or you know when we're out walking if one of the kids is there they they always instinctively uh, uh, uh you know one of them will be at at my side mm-hmm. and uh and telling me to watch out for the curve ahead or, or whatever it is, yeah, you know, and I think, I think the upside, I'm not saying it, it's worth it, but I think the upside is that uh, they really become more empathic people and they learn to, to see the suffering in the world around them.
0: Yeah, but I also feel like you've taught them resilience, so whatever comes their way, they're going to be able to understand how to cope better
1: yeah I think that's right. you know I do think that's right, and um, and and we see it we see it in their in their everyday lives, you know, in the way they live, and uh, it's it's very satisfying to see.:
0: So you brought up a conversation you had with uh, Rabbi Kushner, and right. um, what made you decide to reach out to him?
1: Well, I was always very interested having read his book. Um and I, I I love the title when Bad Things Happen to Good People and um I I I didn't even know for sure why I wanted to see him, but you know, he's a short distance from Boston mm-hmm. and uh, I'm in Boston from time to time. And uh I, I just decided to go see him and He didn't want to do it because he's eighty something years old, and he said he was tired. And uh, (laughs) and, uh, but but then he agreed, and uh, I I met him. uh, He's the rabbi emeritus at this temple, and uh, I met him there. He still keeps keeps an office there, and um, and he was great. I I thought that there was a was a lot of wisdom in everything he said. Right, you know. I talked. I'm not. I'm not a believer. But I talked to clergy of all the religions because I wanted the the take their take on hope and um, and I loved talking to them. They were smart and engaged, and uh, they clearly had op- opinions. Uh, it clearly reflected the, whatever religion they were. And um, and it was useful in the book, um, and so seeing seeing Rabbi Kushner was uh, just along those lines of seeing you know the rest of them.
0: I want to mention if uh, people are just tuning in, we're speaking with Richard M. Cohen about his book *Chasing Hope: A Patient's Deep Dive into Stem Cells, Faith, and Future*. So, let's jump into your experience with stem cell therapy and what you did, and how that's going now.
1: Sure. Well, we—I uh, had given up conventional treatments because they just weren't uh, really, really weren't going any going anywhere with me, and um, it couldn't have been weeks later when Meredith called me from the car on the way home from the city and said, uh, "We've both been invited to this adult stem cell conference." Well, I didn't even know the word "adult," just the stem cell conference at the Vatican, and it made no sense to me, you know. With uh, Church, church uh, opposition to embryonic stem, stem cell research and, and everything. Yeah, but uh, when we met with the the people um, in New York who were working with the Vatican, um, I learned that uh, uh, most most um, work today in medicine is with adult stem cells, not to placate the church, but just because they're better. And also, there's a move toward what they call autologous cells. What is that? An autologous cells are your own cells. Okay. And if you use your own cells, it greatly uh, changes the re- risk ratio. You know, you're you're not going to reject your own cells, and um, so it's um, it's much safer. And um, and we did go to the Vatican. I ch- I chaired the opening panel and. Was just my mind was blown by how I always thought this was uh, sort of futuristic. Um, I I realized that there's a lot of work being done, both both research and treatment, uh, for all kinds of diseases everywhere, and it's going on right now. I mean, we we are pretty close to the starting line of this technology but i'll tell you it's everywhere it's exploding and i absolutely believe it's the future of the, the future of medicine
0: now um i was surprised when i read th- there was a there was a field of adult stem cells versus what is it the embryo
1: yeah the embryona
0: embryona i mean what is how is that different and is that a new thing
1: well i mean i think i think science just sort of gravitated toward uh, adult stem cells. Mm-hmm. And the, the, I think the reason the Church had the, the conference was that uh, the Church is very, uh, very involved with medical research. I mean, they, they have facilities. They, uh, they have scientists from all over the world uh, come to the Vatican, uh, people of all religions and, and nationalities, and they do serious work, um, and I think they were really happy um, to get out from under the controversy over embryonic stem cells. Uh, they have no problem with, uh, as a matter of fact, they f- promote adult stem cells, mm-hmm. and um, and so it's. I, I think everybody was the winner in that.
0: You know, I. When I was reading up on your book, um, one of the things I wanted to mention is you also survived two bouts of colon cancer. And let me just share with you, my father passed away from colon cancer stage four. I don't know how you did this. You are quite the survivor.
1: Well, I mean, I did it with colon cancer screening, you know, and and anybody who doesn't get it is crazy because Mm -hmm. colon cancer is... Uh, I think still the second leading killing, uh, killer, cancer killer. And if you, uh, if you get a colonoscopy, um, you know, anything you, you see in it, I mean, I, I had my first colonoscopy, uh, in my early fifties, I had a malignancy that was, you know, wow. and, and that's what began uh, this particular journey. And, uh, and if I had done it when I was supposed to do it, which is a few years later, mm-hmm. that polyp might not have been malignant. So I, I really think that uh, people owe it to themselves to, uh, to, to get colon cancer sc- screening. It's, not, it's, it's no big deal you know i i dreaded it and <laughs> yeah, i'm that's telling you how i feel <laughs> it's, it's once you do it you realize there you get good drugs and there's yeah. no uh, there's no downside to it
0: i think the worst part is drinking that huge concoction they have you drink before yeah i mean yeah. look
1: uh, you know i always say that the uh, you know that uh, the 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 preparation is like the day after going to a really bad uh you know, uh, ethnic restaurant. And, you know, uh, so so you have diarrhea for a day. Big deal.
0: But it's better, it's worth it to to get tested, obviously. Oh, no
1: question about it. Yeah.
0: So let's also talk about uh, where you are now and how you're feeling.
1: Well, you know, MS is a progressive disease and progressive diseases progress. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, I... um, um, my walking is a lot more difficult. I, I can only, um, walk short distances. Mm-hmm. Um, I use a walker sometimes cause it really helps me. Sure. Um, but, um, you know, but I, I, I get by and, uh, but my right side is pretty badly, uh, affected. I, my, my right arm and right hand are, are basically useless I I'll tell you I wrote my last three books with my left hand and my face against the computer
0: and I'm assuming you're a righty
1: and I'm a right of course you're a righty.
0: yeah
1: you know but uh you just you just learn uh to do you know there was a a, a book written by a French author who had a very bad stroke and um he could only blink his left eye, and he wrote a whole book. Oh, come They'd on. Blink. Really? Oh, yeah. So, you know, I mean, if you want to do it, there's always a way to do it.
0: I feel like, you know, we all go through these different um, experiences. We have personal and professional things that happen to us, and but you have to also consider those around you perhaps are going through worse situations.
1: You can say that again,
0: yeah what else would you like people to know about your book before we wrap up?
1: Just that um that people ought to know about this stuff i, I think people don't really know anything about cell therapy, and um people you know I'm not a doctor and i'm not, I'm not prescribing anything for anybody, but um. but but people ought to know what's out there and what's available to them and 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 to keep people ought to keep an open mind um things are moving things in medicine are moving really quickly you know Mm -hmm. i I think that uh you know uh, you know i've already been asked to go to the vatican for a conference in 2020 and I will bet you that it'll be remarkably different from, uh, Meredith just came back from one uh, uh, less than a week ago, and I'll bet it'll be remarkably different because things happen quickly. Things Mm -hmm. happen fast. And um, people ought to, uh, anybody, anybody who's, living with a difficult disease anybody with uh, with a disease in their family among their friends their neighbors anybody they care about um you ought to uh you ought to keep your eyes open and and keep looking and uh i have a i have a friend with retinitis pigmentose, uh you know a disease where you lose your vision most of your vision uh. and um and he, i worked with him at cbs news and um He's uh, he's checking in, and I'm helping him to places that you know are deal- are doing clinical trials for it, and they are there are they exist. I'm telling you, yeah, I don't care what your what your illness is. There's probably a clinical trial research somewhere in the world that's worth checking out.
0: Yeah, I feel like you have to be a detective. You just well, have- you do, and you yeah. have to be your
1: own advocate. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean. Nobody else is going to take you by the hand. you got to take yourself by the hand.
0: Right. So where can people find out more about you? I, um, and before I uh, wrap, are you speaking at the 92nd Street Y with Meredith?
1: Yes, we're uh, with Dr. Oz oh, uh, moderating right. it. That's and, right. Uh, that's uh, Monday uh, the 7th.
0: Oh, this coming Monday. Yeah. Perfect. Wonderful. And then uh, do you have a website?
1: Um. You know, and I have a blog, but it, it it really is not informational very much. I just deal with issues of illness. Um, I haven't even talked much about the book. I, I think that um, I think if people want to know more about the book, they ought to look at on Amazon because people write reviews and they do. They're pretty thorough and uh, uh, letting people know what's in the book.
0: Okay. Anything else you'd like to add before we wrap?
1: No, this is been terrific, and uh, it's always a a good opportunity when you can speak at a little bit of length and not just uh, do a short interview.
0: Oh, well, I appreciate your time. I really do. And in the future, if you ever want to call in again, you know, I would love to have you on.
1: Terrific. Thank you so much. Have
0: a wonderful day. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. That was New York Times bestselling author Richard M. Cohen talking about his latest book, Chasing Hope, A Patient's Deep Dive into Stem Cells, Faith, and the Future. If you missed any part of this, everything is up on my show blog, getthefunkoutshow.kuci.org. If you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at moms, M-O-M-Z underscore rock. You've been listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine.